please send Mashiach now. Well, welcome to another round of the Shomerman podcast for the Torah portion, Acharemot Kedoshim. This is going to focus primarily on Kedoshim, the whole Torah and nothing but the Torah. That's right. Parsha Kedoshim is where it where it's at. It's where the business is. So, a lot of information, so let's just go right into it and throw in sources. That's what we do. Sleek, huh? All right. Don't don't throw your sources. I need to get these things on Bluetooth retractable beams. Like, just kidding. It's like Thor's hammer. You just throw it and it comes back. I need to get my sources like that. <clears throat> anyway, this is from Rashi. I'm going to start out with Rashi today, y'all. All right, Rashi on Shemot 24, 12. Exodus 24, 12. 24, 12. All right, remember that. 24, 12. I'm going to try to remember that too uh, with the help of Hashem because this is where we learn that the entire Torah is found in the Ten Commandments. And we all know the Ten Commandments is all found in the Shema. And... As I said before, without sourcing it out, and we're going to so many times today with the help of Hashem, that the whole Torah is found in Kedoshim. Kedoshim is like a re-giving of the Ten Commandments. Uh, we gathered together the entire assembly, just like we did when we got to Mount Sinai. So what am I saying? Leviticus 19 and Exodus 24, 12 are the same. Also, uh, what is it? Leviticus 19, I believe. Uh, was the uh, I know Leviticus uh, uh, wow Leviticus Leviticus 19 and Shemot I believe started in 19 yes Shemot 19 because that's where my favorite ever or Hakim drop is in Shemot 19 about being a holy nation and all that kind of stuff and the um, Segula and the way that uh, chapter 20 starts with the the way the the commandments came and appeared to each of us and bowed before us and said, do you accept me up on yourself? And if we say yes, it jumped up and was one of our crowns. There's a whole bunch on that. There's a, I believe it was a Shava Oatdrosh. Yes. There's a Shava Oatdrosh that's like literally hours and hours and hours long. And all I did was quote from Or Hakim on Shemot 19.6. And I just remember going back and forth between that and Shemot 20 verse 2 and the Or HaKaim. And that was just like, what in the world? It's so amazing stuff. But anyway, all that to say, if you're thinking Parsha Yitro, if you're thinking Shavuot, if you're thinking Parsha Kedoshim, yes, those are all synonymous. So this is kind of crazy because we just went from a, a, a Yom Kippur Pesach drop and Akari Moat, and now we're going to a Shavuot Shemini Zeret Simchat Torah drop in Parsha Kedoshim. So when you look at Akari Moat and look at Parsha Kedoshim, you're literally looking at connecting uh, Pesach to Shavuot and connecting Yom Kippur to Sukkot. Like, it's ridiculous. But anyway, eight-day festivals, man, it's where it's at. Whether you want to call eight days, uh, you know, 
Yom Kippur, a couple of day break, and then start off with Sukkot and go seven days of Sukkot and call that eight days, or call Sukkot eight days, like it's uh, explained in Vayikra 23, where it says seven days you're in a Sukkot, and then on the eighth day you should have a holy convocation and celebrate Shemini Yadzeret. It's like, well, Sukkot is seven days, but yet it's, it's taught as an eight-day festival. So are we talking eight or are we talking seven? And the answer is yes. And then what about Yom Kippur? And it's like, well, yeah, that's connected to Rosh Hashanah. And then it's like, but there was a whole seven-day period with Yom Kippur because literally from the third of Tishrei, which was after Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah is the first and the second day of uh Tishrei because nobody knows the day or the hour kind of thing that the new moon is going to happen and then uh, you know we go into the seven days preparation for Yom Kippur and the eighth day of that seven day preparation period is the 10th of Nisan so from the third to the 10th of Nisan it's technically it's eight days but it's seven day and then the eighth day will be Yom Kippur so anyway if that isn't crazy enough can we just read the sources okay and I will give you the tablets of stone and the law and the commandment which I have written to teach them. Why were we given the tablets? Why did Hashem write them? Because we're to teach them. Messiah in Matthew 28 specifically said, go out and teach them. Who? The nations. Why? Because the nations are supposed to get Torah too. They literally have fragments of Torah in them already, which is why all false religions exist, because they're predicated off of distorting the Torah. That's why in every religion you can find an aspect of Torah, because the nations were given the Torah, but yet we were like, no, nah, no, we weren't. And it's like, uh, yeah, you were. Remember Tower of Babel? I know, it was a horrible day, but that's why. Okay. So... That verse I just read is Shemot twenty four twelve. It says all the six hundred and thirteen commandments are implicitly contained in the Ten Commandments and may therefore be regarded as having been written on the tablets. Let me read that again. All the six hundred and thirteen commandments are implicitly say implicitly big word, fancy word, contained in the Ten Commandments and may therefore be regarded as having been written on the tablets. Rabbi Saadia specified in the Azarot, which which has composed those commandments which may be associated with each of the Ten Commandments. If you are an owner of the Legends of the Jews, like some people, or if you have access to the Legends of the Jews, like all people, uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Anyway, everybody's got access. So if you go in there, there's a whole section about how the Ten Commandments are related to the whole entire Torah and how the Ten Commandments are related to one another. Because um, some people who've been studying their Ten Commandment drops <clears throat> learned that the first commandment and the sixth commandment go together. The second commandment and the seventh go together. The third and the eighth, the fourth and the ninth, and the fifth and the tenth. Well, guess what? 
they also crisscross with each other. So I don't know if you're part of the old school um, fortunate people who got to do these uh, little dot connecting puzzles where you have all these words on one side and then you have all the meanings or the associated items of of that word on the other side. You have to draw lines to them. Sometimes it was a straight diagonal or sometimes straight across or sometimes across and a little bit down. That's how the commandments work. So the two tablets, they interlock with each other and they form one tablet, which is how they sat when they were in the altar or the, uh, the ark, by the way. So you got these interlocking things. So you can technically take first commandment tied to the fifth or take the first tied to the seventh or vice versa and do all these interlocking and like just go crazy with the string theories on them. And I say string theory, like when people did the trying to solve mysteries and they had their little cork board and they put the pen there, put the little string and connected it to another dot and then to there. Anyway, connecting all that, that is the tablets, which is the whole entire Torah. So when Hashem gave us the Torah, the Sapphire tablets, like that's what that is. And the second set of tablets was to a lesser degree, the same thing, except the uh the oral torah had to come with it separately as opposed to already in it which is why when mashiach came it was just mashiach like the original tablets because everything's already in him and now he's just coming to expand that to to everybody so and and what that's what's going to happen too by the way when we get our resurrected bodies we're going to be like walking sapphire tablets so that's going to be really cool Another reason, you know, among many to pray for the final redemption to happen now so that we can go ahead and and walk in that, you know, side note, just, just as a random thing that, uh, we won't have to cook in the Olam Haba. So just saying Shabbat prep is going to be super easy. Like what are we cooking this week and all that kind of stuff. And then trying to get that all done and man, what am I going to have for lunch? And like figuring all that stuff out that all goes away because you're just literally going to be able to walk right outside. You're like, Oh, I'll take this tree. Okay. What is this? Well, I don't know what it is, but I want it to be da 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 da, which obviously me it's, it's going to be holla pancakes and gummy bears all at the same time with a little bit of Gatorade. And it's like, okay, boom. And that's what it's going to be. It's going to taste like all that. So you're going to be like drinking and eating all at the same time without having to cook. And it's going to come from a tree. What in the world? Anyway, so Rashi gives us the source that the Ten Commandments is the entire Torah. And then let's move to this is a long insight. So I got two long insights. I'm going to read back to back. Two long insights back to back. Okay. This is from, what is this from? This is from um, Devarim Rabbah, the Midrash Rabbah Devarim 8.3. I love this one because this was probably one of my most favorite drops from the Midrash Rabbah. It says, This is what is written Wisdom. Is too lofty for a fool. He does not open his mouth in the gate. Proverbs 24 7. That's where that verse comes from. What wisdom is too lofty for a fool? Or what does wisdom is too lofty for a fool mean? Rabbi Tankuma said, 
This fool walks into a synagogue. <laughs> I got. I gotta stop. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Literally, in the sources say, "This fool walks into the synagogue." Okay. Get it together. I just grew up in a household where it's like, you know what this fool did? This fool came over to me and was like, da 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 And I was like, fool, what's wrong with you? Anyway, the the, the Devarim Rabbi is totally doing that right now. I'm just, this is so hood. This is amazing. Okay, I, I, I fit in with the community of Israel. This is awesome. Gangster. Okay, so this fool walks into the synagogue <laughs> and see a kid. <laughs> This is this is recorded. I'm leaving it on the recording too. Okay. Says this fool walks into a synagogue and sees those that are involved in Talmud study. And he doesn't understand what they are saying. Man, how true is that? You feel like you're aliens from outer space. And you're like, oh Masekit, uh Sanhedrin 52A. Oh man, it was like Rabbi so-and-so said, and they Rabbi so-and-so, and they're like, what in the world are you talking about right now? It's like, oh, this is this is oral Torah. Welcome. We've been expecting you. Take me to your leader. Okay. And it says, and he doesn't understand what they're saying. He is embarrassed. As it says, he does not open his mouth in the gate. The gate is Sanhedrin. As it is written, the brother's widow shall appear before the elders in the gate. Devarim 25.7. Deuteronomy 25.7. They are studying Leverite marriage. Another interpretation. The rabbis tell of a fool who walks into the synagogue and sees those that are involved in Torah study. He says to them, how does one learn the Torah at first? I mean, okay, check this out. We're re- we're doing the Aliyah day, right? So a fool walks in and was like, the Aliyah day, our scroll humash on page so-and-so, it says, da-da-da-da-da, we start doing it. And the, the person is like, uh, Aliyah of what? And humash, what? A chumash? What you talking about? Parsha? What's a parsha? Yeah, that kind of stuff. So it says, he says to them, how does one learn Torah at first? They say to him, first, you read Megillah Esther. Okay. This is too much already. No, it's not too much. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying this, but I'm just, for the sake of trying to record a podcast with a cohesive uh insanity or sanity with cohesive sanity just making stuff up now i'm I'm too done y'all this is it i'm I'm just going i don't know sorry i, I want to be more structured but i'm i can't right now this we start reading the torah by reading esther i'm just saying like what esther i mean what how many years after Sinai is esther i mean come on now we're talking the way you start reading the Torah is to read Esther. Wow. First you read Esther, then the Torah, then the prophets, then the writings. I just want you to know that when it comes to reading the letters of Paul, when it comes to reading the letters of Peter, 
when it comes to reading, well, Peter before Paul, because you should probably get to learn what Peter said before you learn what Paul said, contrary to popular theology. But anyway, uh, the writings of Yaakov, which should definitely be second after Peter, if not first, and then the writings of Jude, the writings of, because uh, Yaakov is James, you got Jude, who else we got? Um, yeah, those are, those are the people who wrote the letters. That's, that's cool. Heavy hitters. Oh, and the, and the writings of the Hebrews from the anonymous one shall remain nameless, <laughs> but here, read this. Okay. So yeah, that should go in the category of the writings. If you want to look at the hierarchy of things, if not on the rung below that, because the writings include things like Shir Hashirim, which is considered to be the Holy of Holies of Scripture. So, yeah, I mean, just to kind of give you an understanding, you start with Esther, go with Torah, go to the prophets, then go to the writings, and then pick up the letters. I know, it's completely not, it's not what we were expecting. I know, because, oh, I'm, I'm, I just got saved, and I'm brand new to the covenant. Let me read the book of John. No. Go read Esther. Okay. Anyway, when he completes the written Torah, which is all that right there, it says, then he studies the Talmud. Then the laws, the halakha. Okay. So if you feel like you're behind on the halakha, I mean, you're going to get halakha and all this other, all these other sections here. But, uh, yeah, so trying to get Shulchan Aruch, Mishneh, Torah, uh, any of the other halakhic works. If you're trying to really dive into that, but you haven't really gotten a progression through all these other things, then stop. Because when you read the Talmud, you find out the people who uh, in, in, in inaugurated or initiated the halakot and how they initiated the Halakot so that you can come away with a good interpretation and not get crazy. Because many people read the Halakot without even thinking like a sage, which is unfortunate because it's like, man, I learned this Halakha and we're not supposed to do this and then we're not supposed to do that. And it's like, yeah, but what does the Talmud say? I don't know. It's like, but Rambam said, it's like, okay, but where did he get it from? Okay, but uh, Yosef Karo said, okay, but where did he get it from? You know, and it's like, that's, that's forgotten. So again, if you read Esther and the Torah and the prophets and the writings, and then, you know, you get into the Talmud, it's going to totally help you get all this other stuff down. And this is also important why you need a rabbi, because it's going to take you quite a bit of time, if not a lifetime to really get into the Torah and the prophets and the writings. Cause even in the first century, when the apostles were writing, they were talking about scripture, which is the Tanakh, which consists of the Torah, the prophets, and the writings. That's literally the acronym of Tanakh. Tanakh is an acronym that stands for Torah, prophets, and writings. It's called the Torah, Ketuvim, or Torah, Navi'im, and Ketuvim, Tanakh, T-N-K, if you want to bring it into English words, letters. So... You mean, how long is it going to take you to really exhaust scripture and commentary? I mean, I'm just saying, 
much less getting into the Talmud. This is why the the standard for a Jewish man is that he spends his whole childhood up until bar mitzvah primarily getting his Torah portion down and learning the five books of Torah. So he needs to have a good grasp on the Torah, get introduced to the Mishnah, which is a part of the Talmud, and then he can go from there and start doing other stuff. But it takes 12 years, 13 or it takes a 13 for a boy, 12 for a girl. So yeah, so 13 is when the boy is, it takes 13 years. And, and that still ain't it yet because he's got another seven years to work into being accountable for what he's been studying for how many? Yeah. 13 years and really subtract five from that. So really about eight years because it's not until he's five that you really want to have him engaging the Aleph bet and being able to start basic reading of the Torah portions. So, I mean, yeah, you're looking at eight years worth of information, even though he's been around for 13 years and then give him another seven years. So now we're looking at, okay, if we do the math, okay, 13 bar mitzvah, take away five, because that's when he really starts to get into learning mode. And then that's eight years. And then he's learning the Hebrew. He's getting into learning the Torah portions. And then he's got seven years after his bar mitzvah to really be accountable as a grown adult. Cause 20 is the age of accountability, which you, you're not allowed to be penalized or scrutinized for your halakha until you're 20. Now, you can get rebuked and corrected and all that kind of stuff, but you can't go, oh, you're terrible, you're illegitimate, and all this kind of stuff, and what's wrong with you? Nobody can tell you that until 20 years, until you're 20, but then that's only after 15 years, because what, 8 plus 7 is 15. Because you got your eight years that you actually were learning up until your bar mitzvah. And then you got your seven years to walk into your accountability. So we're looking at 15 years. And that's if you're not taking breaks. People be taking breaks, man. You know, and then you want to feel like, oh, man, I done, I done kilted in Torah and Talmud for two years. And I got this. What's wrong with y'all thinking you can run the rabbi and the bait dean and all that kind of stuff? I'm sorry. Have you been at this for 15 years? Because if you haven't, just stop. Okay. Anyway, that's just being lenient, by the way. Because how 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 does everyone learn? Do we all learn at the same pace? I think not. For 15 years, for some of us, that's like your A student. You know, that's your average. So what about those of us who struggle with learning? What about those of us who don't have enough time to fully engage in learning? I mean, can we get a witness? So there's something to think about here. Again, this is Devarim Rabbah 8.3 being ridiculous. Okay, it says, so he does all that. And it says, uh, I'm just going to reread it. First, you read Megillah Esther because that's just ridiculous. Then the Torah, then the prophets, then the writings. Then once you finish the written Torah, you get into the oral Torah, which is the Talmud. Then you get into the Holocaust and then you get into the allegorical passages. Sleeka, this is all your Midrashim and your, uh, your allegorical stories and your legends of the Jews drops. 
it's good to kind of glean and, and get into that, but don't primarily devote your time to it, you know, because your primary time is devoted to the hierarchy of everything else that we're supposed to be learning. And then we get, we build up to that. So we're looking at way more than a lifetime of learning and growing, which again, the point is you can't ever say that anyone is not growing and that they're not doing a good job because if you're saying that after 15, 20 years, okay, that's something. But if you're saying that within six months, a year, two years, three years, four years, I mean, hold up. You are completely missing the whole bus. Self-incrimination basically is what's happening because you're not really understanding the tapestry of everything. And beside, if you've been a part of another faith and you've now been brought to Torah, okay, that slows the process down quite a bit because what do we call it? Uh, deprogramming, uh, getting rid of the old tapes, uh, burning up uh, forbidden stuff that was in our life, just getting it out of here. You know, you got to deal with familiar spirits and all these things that you don't want to let go of. You know, the fact that someone can stop celebrating Xmas, leave them alone, okay? Just just stop. They are done with Xmas. I'm just saying. If that ain't a miracle enough for you, what's wrong? You know, they may do a whole bunch of other stuff wrong, but they no longer celebrate Xmas. Can we rejoice for just a moment? Okay, anyway, way too fired up. Ask me how I feel about that. We're Avengers. We have to be ready for this. We're frontline warriors on all this stuff because people be doing crazy things. And, you know, um, quarantine's about to end soon. So we got to come out swinging. I'm just saying, come out with all your weapons just blazing. You know, just like when you come out of Shabbat, Havdalah hits. So right out of Havdalah, it's like something that just floors you. You're just like, come on, man. Get to Ahara. Seriously, you waiting outside the garden gate for me? Why, man? Just give me a time. I'm already upset Shabbat's over. You know, but you got to come out swinging. You know, me, I fully suit up and I'd be like, Hashem, hit the blasters because whoever's in my way when I'm getting kicked out of the garden, I feel bad for them. You know, we just got to come out swinging. But anyway, we need to know this stuff and Brugashem. So it says, when he hears this, he says in his heart, when am I going to learn all of this and leaves the gate, i.e. the synagogue? Okay, so the synagogue is known as the gate. Mm. The synagogue is known as the gate. That's that's amazing. The place of Torah study and prayer and, and service and uh, fellowship and brotherly love. That's that's the gate. Wow. What what do you put on your gates? Oh, yeah, mezuzah. I love it. Okay, cool. Just, just checking. All right, so, yeah, Torah is supreme. Torah is the king. Torah is the thing. Torah is the dream. You know what I mean? Listen, rap. Listen, sing. Okay. Sorry, I'm just a little, I'm a little turned up. Parashat Kedoshim, man. I'm telling you, it's where it's at. It's Mount Sinai, baby. It's Shavuot. Even in the parasha, like it ain't Shabbat for real. So just keep counting the Omer. Everybody keep calm and keep counting. Stay calm and count the Omer. Okay. But it feel like Shabbat, I'm just saying. 
It says, when he hears this, he says in his heart, when am I going to learn all this? And he leaves the gate, which is the synagogue. As the verse says, he opens not his mouth in the gate. Rabbi Yanai said, you can't Yanai it. This is Rabbi Yanai. Okay, anyway. Rabbi Yanai, the science guy. Okay. This is comparable to a loaf. I'm I'm trying to be funny, y'all. Just laugh with me. You got to have fun when you study the Torah. If you don't have fun studying the Torah, you're going to end up becoming a crazy person. So either you can be crazy and, and be actually studying or be crazy and, and undo your studying. So I don't know. Says this is comparable to a loaf. Who who said this? Rabbi Yanai, the science guy. Okay. Said this is comparable to a loaf suspended in the air. The fool says who could bring it down to the earth? Again, that that fool was like, man, that bread so far in the air, who gonna go up and get that? Who really gonna go get that bread? You know, it's like, is it holla? Cause, cause I'll show you some things. Anyway, and the answer is yes, cause the Torah is is bread. It's unleavened bread. It says, um, the fool says, who could bring it down to the earth? The alert one says. No one took it. He gets a ladder or pole. Mm. Gets a ladder or pole to reach it. Okay, so here's the deal. You know the, the gematria of ladder, which is shulam, is this sulam, sika, is the same gematria as Sinai, which is the same gematria as uh Al bin Adam upon the son of man. So if you really want to reach the unreachable, if you will, you need the ladder of Jacob, Mount Sinai, and the body of the son of man upon the pole. Yeah, I'm pausing because that's, I just blue screen. Okay, so how do you do all this stuff? Well, if you're not experiencing the ladder of Jacob, which is Mount Sinai, which is Messiah on the pole. If you haven't had that experience in your life, the Sinai experience, the ladder of Jacob experience, the Mashiach on a pole experience. You haven't had that go on in your life. You will be like this fool who says, who in the world can do this? Because Mashiach Yeshua comforts us. And consoles us by telling us, with man, it's impossible. But with the Shem, nothing's impossible. So, you get that pole and you get after that bread, okay? So, you bring it down. He says he gets a ladder or pole, he brings it down. Similarly, all fools say, when will I read the entire Torah? By the way, it takes a year. And that's if you stay on your A game with the Aliyah day. Come on. And, uh, you know, you'll read actually the five books of Torah in a year. You will. And you're going to read a whole lot of other stuff because there's a Haftarah portion with each section of Torah. There's a Basora portion with each section of Torah. And then for each Yom Tov, there are other books of the Tanakh that you read. Like you'll be reading Ruth for one. You'll be reading uh, Shirah Shireen for another. Um... Uh, you know, we read Esther for Yom, uh, 
not Yom Kippur. I was going to say Yom Kippur, but remember Yom Kippur and Purim are the same thing, kind of, on a truly different elevated, transcended level. Okay, there's, that's another drosh for another time. But just know Yom Kippur, Purim, they're connected. Well, I know one's fasting, one's eating. How can that be? Uh, yeah, it's it's related. Keyword, Kippur. All right. So you read a whole lot of the Tanakh just by living, you know, going through the Torah portions and celebrating the Yom Tov. Also, uh, anyway, just just know that, believe that, trust that. Moving on. When will I read the entire Torah? Whereas the alert one, what does he do? He studies one chapter each day until he concludes the entire Torah. God says it is not mysterious. And if it is, it is from you, i.e. due to you. This explains the verse, Devarim 30, verse 11. This commandment, that phrase that starts this commandment. Okay, so that's Devarim Rabbah 8.3. So take your time. Be grateful for what you're learning. Things that you don't know yet, don't worry about it. If you're learning with the help of Hashem, you will get there. And when you learn something new that you feel like you should have known already, that's on you as far as how you feel about it. Because Hashem and his mercy and his awesomeness is informing you right now. So be grateful that you get to know, because what if you never got to know? And there's a reason why you didn't know it before. Did you know that? There's a reason why we don't know certain things that are already here, by the way. All the information that we're ever learning, it's already been here. So really, when we're learning, we're, we're catching up. And when we catch up, there's still way more stuff. But again, it's all here. Don't get me started on how the redemption's already here. We just have to reveal it by walking into it in our own lives. So we have to change ourselves so we can change the world kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, yeah, so people who are waiting on the world to be destroyed and for uh, all sorts of destruction and demonic activity to go on and all sorts of darkness to cover the earth, they're self-incriminating, which is unfortunate because you're not realizing the redemption that you have in you that you're supposed to be walking in. So therefore you're just basically saying I'm out. It's a cop out and that got to work on that. Okay. That, I mean, that goes for me too. I can't be all like, okay, how are you going to say that to people? But it's like, no, this is truth. Like, you know, either I can say it or, or not, but I mean, it's true. So, if we if we're not about living in reality then um yeah I don't have anything to say to that so that being said let's be grateful for when we learn even things we've already heard before we need to be grateful for that and we cannot be upset if we're upset I mean there's something going on because we can't know it all. So let's be like little children who are happy to find out two plus two is four when two plus two has been four the whole time. And we didn't even know what a two was and we didn't know what a four was. You know, when you have that little math book and it's like, if Johnny has two apples 
and Johnny gets two more apples, how many apples does Johnny have? I don't know. I've just learned that apples come in different colors. What? You know, and you're freaking out. And it's like, how many apples though? How many, how many color apples do we have? Do we have like two green apples and then we added two more green apples? So we now have four apples and they just happen to be green? Or do we have red apples in here? Like what's going on? Why are we changing colors and stuff? Do we just take the numbers? Anyway, your Torah learning is like that. It's like, you got your two apples. You're going to get two more apples, and they might be the same color. They might be different colors. But just know you're going to get four apples at some point. And that's always been there. And welcome. We've been expecting you. So that should be humbling, too, because even the the people who teach Torah, there's stuff that we don't know. And then we learn, and we're like, what? And some of us who have previous recordings of stuff as not uh, Shomer people, uh, and then we're like, man, I really wish I re- never wish I did that. You know, and you kind of have that regret and that remorse in your heart. I have a song out there called JC is the reason for the season. And I was talking about Xmas and I recorded it and I posted it and I put it out there and like people have it on CD and I performed it and there was video footage of it. And I'm like, I was at an Xmas party singing that. So anyway, not doing that anymore but i did it so yeah and again it's been here the whole time hey homeboy xmas is not kosher and jc is not the reason for the season and his name is not jc that's always been here it's always been the truth i just didn't know about it at that point so humility and learning hashtag that's the takeaway from that part Devarim Rabat A3, we just cited uh, Rashi 24.12 above that. Let's go to shorter insight. Because if you give me a long insight, I may never finish. Okay. Zohar Akhare Mot 49, section 296 from the Kabbalah Center edition says, Because of this, all those that are not marked in their flesh with the holy impression, meaning they are not circumcised, are not his people. Yikes. I ain't going to say nothing to that. That's that's just cutting edge information right there. It says, they are not of the Holy One, blessed be he. Oh, it gets worse. So not only are you not a part of the Jewish people, which is Hashem's people, you're also not a part of Hashem. Synthesis, being a part of the Jewish people is being a part of Hashem. Oh, okay, that's how that works. Interesting. Then it says, it is apparent that they stem from the direction of impurity and it is prohibited to fraternize with them. Wow. And speak with them regarding matters of the Holy One, blessed be he. It is prohibited to relate words of Torah to them as the entire Torah is the name of the Holy One, blessed be he. Yeah, I said it because it's written, Slika, that the entire Torah is the name of the Holy One, blessed be he. So remember that one time Yeshua says, I came in the name of the one who sent me? Yeah. So he's saying I'm the entire Torah and I just so happen to be in flesh. So again, if we can if we can understand a Torah scroll, it'll be a easier way to grab a hold of the Mashiach, Yeshua. 
because the Torah being made flesh is Mashiach. And there's really no way to kind of put that into words. Cause what do you mean? The Torah became flesh. Cause that would mean that when the Torah becomes flesh, it can't be defiled. So how do you get flesh walking around that cannot be defiled? Just answer me that Parsha, Tadria and Medzora, among many other things, technically, as far as the impurities that are contracted in there, doesn't apply. So, okay, I'm blue screening just thinking about that. So, I mean, it's just, that's, that's interesting. Does you mean to tell me lepers could not only get healed from him, but him touching them and interacting with them doesn't make him leprous. But yet the Mashiach is considered to be leprous. But yet the Mashiach is the purification for leprosy. Hmm. Yep, just can't figure Hashem out. I just can't do it. But today if we hear his voice, that's all we need to focus on. Okay. It says, because you realize when you hear his voice, there's a whole lot that follows. I was reading in Pasikta de Rabati because Ish Pela put me on to where I could find that. And uh, Hashem was so gracious to allow me to be able to get that so that's insane but anyway it says study of torah which by the way is today hearing hashem's voice leads to fulfilling all of the torah pasikta de rabatai and i i don't even know where this is in there i didn't even source it out but it's it's in there it says this it says um check this out the words which follow Yes, seven have reference to talking about uh, Proverbs nine one. They have reference reference to the seven patriarchs: Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, Kohat, Amram, Moshe, and Aharon. Side note: Moshe and Aharon, which are like the two Mashiachs, are considered to be patriarchs. Is there any wonder why Yeshua had 12 children? I mean, 12 Tamadim. I mean, 12 children. I mean, 12 Tamadim, which are likened to children of the, the Rebbe. It says, or, and its lamps, seven over it, refer to seven specific commandments set down in the Torah. Notice the Pasita Rabati doesn't, the Pasita Rabatai doesn't call these Noahides. It just says seven commandments in the Torah. It says the commandments concerning offerings to the priests, tithes to the Levites, tithes to the poor. Three of the seven commandments are all about tithes to the priests, to the Levites, and to the poor. Just saying. Tithing is a big deal. Shabbatical years, the sabbatical years like the Shemitah, and the jubilee years, the circumcision, filial, filial, there we go, get my words out, respect. So like loving each other as you love yourself kind of stuff. And the Torah, and the study of Torah, which leads to the obedience of all these. 
So if you're studying Torah, it's going to teach you that you should love your neighbors, you love yourself, which did not the Mashiach teaches us that because we study Mashiach, right? Like we study a Torah scroll. And it says you'll get into the Jubilee years and the Shabbatical years, which, by the way, it's impossible to do those if you're not doing Rosh Hodesh or Shabbat or Yom Tov. And then it says um, the poor tithing, all those different things, because those are all interlinked with that. This connects us to the seven patriarchs and it connects us to the seven days of the week and the seven pillars of creation. That's Pasikta Rabati. So goodness gracious. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, the entire tour is the name of the Holy One. There you go. So you're studying Hashem's name. And then it says every letter of the Torah is connected with the holy name. Mm. The Aleph Tav is connected with the holy name of Hashem. Wow. So if you're looking at an Aleph or a Tet or a Gimel, or if you're looking at a Lamed or a Fei, a Pei, if you're looking at a Sheen, any of those 22 letters, because Aleph Tav I know we, it means literally the Aleph and the Tav, like those two letters, Gematria 401, <clears throat> which by the way is, I forgot what the Gematria 401, I thought I knew it off the top of my head, I forgot. Anyway, forget that. <clears throat> I was trying to get into something that I wasn't ready for. Rewind, rewind. Okay, Zav, Tav, Aleph, and the Tav, okay, but it also means the 22 letters. So when you're saying Aleph, Tav, you're literally saying all of the Hebrew letters or you're saying the name of Hashem. So, because <clears throat> every letter of Torah is connected with the holy name, it says, therefore, anyone whose flesh is marked with a holy impression must not be informed of words of Torah and one must not study with him. Now, if we're supposed to go out and make Talmudim of all the nations, what are we saying? With the Zohar Akhare Mote 49, section 296 drop. Well, we're saying that if you're not going out to teach, but if you're going out to study with them. So if you want to sit down, open up your Talmud and open up your Rashi, then you're asking for a little bit of destruction because these people, they don't want the Torah. They don't know it. And they're totally fine with where they are. So it's kind of not hard. I mean, it's kind of impossible to really sit down with them and study the Torah and really be uh, able to do that. So there's a a caution here. If if that's your idea to sit down and do this, you know, like say, hey, you know, I want to go into such and such group and I want to go witness to them and I want to take all my books and I'm just going to go in there guns blazing. It's like. Well, just want to let you know that this is literally going to be casting your pearls before swine. Because unless they're, unless they've invited you, and unless they really want to hear what you have to say, and unless there's not going to be any arguing, then um, you know if if any of those things are going to go down, then don't. But if they invited you, they're not going to argue. They want to hear what you got to say. Then that that qualifies for you to actually go fraternize with them and go share Torah with them because why at that point they're acting like they have a circumcised heart if they don't already have one because we don't know who has a circumcised heart until we know 
Because remember, if someone's born of the Spirit, we don't know at what point that happens. So if people are receptive to Torah and they're willing for you to sit down and explain things and they're really interested and they show signs of no contention and they're like all about it and they're not trying to have a hidden agenda and all that, then this last part of this Zohar draft doesn't apply because they're already into the process of circumcision. Circumcision is a process, right? You realize that. My my circumcision started when I realized that the the Bible wasn't originally written in English. And then down 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 the road, the Bible is really the Tanakh. So I'm like, "Oh my word." But it had to start somewhere. And so I was willing to just jump into the deep end and Hashem saved me like Kefa getting out the boat and storm water almost took me out. Uh, just, you know, I was like, I'm learning Hebrew, man. Like, I got to do this. I want to know who Hashem is. I want to know. Those are the type of people you do fraternize with. They want to know. And, and they, they're realizing, okay, I was in the wrong. I don't know it all. I can't tell you what to do. Like those kind of people light it up. That's when you go in guns blazing, by the way, that's when you go get the Hulk buster out and just go to town. <clears throat> so Zohar Kare Mot 49 the entire tour is the name of the Holy One blessed be he every letter is connected to the name of the Holy One blessed be he and the entire Torah is the name of the Holy One blessed be he I, I can't get enough of saying that this that's just inc- incredible but Zohar Kedoshim 3 section 16 oh I love it I love it Zohar Kedoshim 316, and that's the bottom line. Okay, it says, Rabbi Abba taught that this portion of Kedoshim comprises the entire Torah and is sealed with the ring of truth. So remember, Hashem's seal is truth, right? So the king's ring is the seal of truth which is Parashat Kedoshim. So if you're in Parashat Kedoshim and you live by it, which by the way, it's interesting, the righteous shall live by faith. It's connected to Karimot and Kedoshim. Um, you're, you're operating with the King's signet ring. Just throwing it out there. In this portion, there are new, in this portion, there are new, you realize Parashat Kedoshim is where you should love your neighbors, you love yourself is in, right? Oh, man, I'm so sad. I I was supposed to bring in the Midrash says and read it, but I did not read this and study it again this time, but I did get to read it, if not last year, the year before during Parashat Kedoshim. And it literally says that the commandment of loving your neighbors, you love yourself is likened to the Shema. And so when the Messiah said the greatest commandment is Shema and the second one is like the first, like that's literally codified in Midrash. So Mashiach Yeshua was repeating Midrash text when he said that. And we're all like, oh, he said a new command I give you. Oh, snap. He didn't, he didn't switch up to Shema. 
It's like, no, that's that's literally been it. That's why the one Torah uh, scholar that questioned him and said, you know, what must I do to attain eternal life? And he said, what do you do? And he said, oh, yeah, you do the Shema and you love your neighbors, you love yourself. And Mashiach's like, bingo, because you operate with the king's signet ring at that point, which is Parsha Kedoshim. So you get it. You get that the whole entire Torah is really one commandment, which is the Shema, which is the entire name of Hashem, which is loving your neighbors, you love yourself. Okay. So like he knew that. So I just think it's amazing and interesting that it says new supernal secrets of Torah are in this portion. Mm. Cause the secrets of Torah are called new Torah, by the way, if you read the Midrash set or the mid, the Messiah text, there's a whole chapter in there about new Torah. And it means the secrets of the current Torah, which according to Zohar three sixteen, uh, it says that that is the Torah portion of Kedoshim. The supernal secrets of Torah is Parsha Kedoshim. Are you kidding me right now? This is this is insane. The entire name of Hashem is the Torah. Parsha Kedoshim is the secrets of Torah. Love your neighbors, you love yourself is considered a new commandment, even though it's like the first commandment, which is really a commandment. So it's how how can it be a new commandment? What does the word new mean is the real question that should be asked, not those other questions. So go learn what new is. And then if you get yourself a, a dictionary of the Targumim, you can look up a word called Chadash. Chet Dalit Sheen. If you look that word up, that'll teach you the definition of new. Dictionary of the Targumim, look up Chadash. And study the letters of Chet Dalit Sheen. Oh, I didn't bring the book in here with me. Oh, but I got another one, though. See if I can pull it up. Just as a little fun exercise. Let's study some letters, shall we? All right, where is my letters? Letters, letters. I got letters, different colors. Okay, here we go. The letter Chet. What's the letter Chet about? All right, so this is from the Wisdom and the Hebrew Letters, commonly known as the Wisdom and the Hebrew Alphabet. Transcendence, divine grace, and life. Among many things, it's uh, the word for Chaim, life. The word for Chet, which is sin. Uh, it says the Chet also alludes to sin for the top of the Chet as it is written in Torah scrolls, is not straight, but has a wavering line that rises and falls. And don't we know that is life? And it says, this is alluding to the inconsistent spirit of a sinner. Chet also is the symbol, the structure and symbolism of Chet uh, is two, the, it consists of two, Spear-shaped Zions. Slika. And uh, that's according to the Bates Yosef. Arizal has a different thing. Uh, it's the Zan, which is the sustainer of the world. 
and the Ziyun, which is armament. So life is basically battling through the ups and downs of our inconsistencies. That's the letter Chet. And then you got the Dalit, which is dimensions and concern. There's four dimensions and spiritual stages. You got the north, the south, the east, and the west. You got the four worlds uh, representing descending stages of holiness from the closest to Hashem, which is beyond human comprehension. And then, okay, the four worlds, emanation, creation, formation, and action. Then you have uh, the defining. Uh, it says that you have, it's got a gimel and a dalit, which is interesting. It says Gimel Dalit conveys to us the kind conveys to us that kindness, giving of oneself to others, and bringing them most intimately near to oneself is the foundation of human life. So, those who are far, bringing them near, connected to the battling and the sustaining through the ups and downs and the consistencies of life. That's Chet Dalit. And then your Sheen, because we're looking at the word new, which is Chadash, which is also the same word as Chodesh, which is the word for month. So we literally live in new if we're going by the months. Sheen is the symbol of divine power and script, teaching us about the, the way the letters are written is the Sheen. And then, uh, it's, so it's the form of godliness with the power, not the form of godliness that denies the power. That's a sheen. Also speaks of corruption because it's the same letter for the word of Sheker. And um, what else we got? It says corrupted to become falsehood. It says the son of Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi feel, fell ill and went into a coma. When he recovered, his father asked, what did you see? He replied, I saw a topsy-turvy world for those who are on top of the social ladder on earth are on the bottom in the world to come. And those who are on the bottom here were on top there. Can we get a witness about the greatest among you is the least and the servant? Because if you're if you're that person, if you're beneath everybody, you're on top in the world to come, which is what's going to happen eventually. And if you're on top now and you put other people down, then you're on the bottom in the world to come. And guess what? The world to come never, ever ends. It never, ever, 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 ever ends. It's like forever and ever, ever and ever, ever. So let me ask you, do you want to be on the top here or do you want to be on the top there? If you want to be on the top there, then you need to put yourself down beneath everybody. No time for arrogance says those on the bottom here on the top there his father said my son you saw a perfectly clear world that's from pesachim 50a so it goes on to say sheen denotes sheker because it says also although as we have seen the sheen stands for names of god himself like you know namely what's on the mezuzah 
Even the loftiest concepts can be dragged down if men corrupt them. So the sheen only represents corruption if mankind drags it down. That's what's been happening for 2,000 years. It's time to fix it. People think if you believe in God, you can do whatever you want, and you can eat whatever you want, you can live however you want. And it's like, why are you putting a mezuzah on the ground? Pick the mezuzah up, clean it off, kiss it, put it back on the door. Stop doing this stuff. This is why COVID-19 exists. This is why there's been destruction of the temple. This is why there's been... Uh, inquisitions this is why there's been crusades this is why there's been holocaust because people keep knocking mezuzahs off doors put them back up put hashem's name in its right order quit turning hashem's name into falsehood so as one of my new favorite sayings is it's time for that to stop it's time to put an end to it because if we can't save the world then you can better believe we gonna avenge it okay so it says that in the Ten Commandments, oh, wait, 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 wait. This this is a whole sentence. My bad. It's what happens when you go into rabbi trails that you, uh, you forget that there's a whole sentence here. In this portion, what portion? Kedoshim. There are new supernal secrets in the Ten Commandments and decrees, penalties, heavenly commandments. Wow. When the friends reached this chapter, they were overjoyed. That's ridiculous. The new supernal secrets of Torah in the Ten Commandments and decrees and penalties and heavenly commandments. Wow. That's Parashat Kedoshim. So... My other source that was really long is... Oh, man. Makilta de Rabbi Yishmael 15, section 26. Come on now. Come on now. Makilta de Rabbi Yishmael. Goodness gracious. Just cheating. Okay. Shemot 1526. Cheat codes. <laughs> it's called sources. Okay. Uh, Shemot 1526. And he said, if... You pay heed, you shall pay heed. Or if pay heed, you shall pay heed. Interesting phrase. From here, it was derived, if a man paid heed to one mitzvah, he is caused to pay heed to many mitzvot. It being written, if pay heed, you shall pay heed. If a man forgot one mitzvah, he is caused to forget many mitzvot. Devarim 8.19 If forget, you shall forget. The voice of the Lord. This refers to the Ten Commandments, which are from mouth to mouth through the medium of voices. So, being able to do one mitzvah to go into many mitzvot or forgetting one mitzvot to go into forgetting many mitzvot. And this is all paying heed to Hashem's voice. And it's like, yeah, this is the 10 commandments, which are from mouth to mouth through the medium of voices. And you do what is just in 
his eyes. That's the whole thing, too. We have to realize everything that we do is about what is it in the eyes of Hashem. Not, oh, well, I know kosher eating is totally a good thing, but, you know, if I just salt the meat enough, it'll be great. It's like, well, was it kosher slaughtered? I don't know how it was slaughtered. It's like, okay, put that down. Do not eat that. So it says, these are select agadot, which are heard in the ears of all men. And you give he and and you give ear to his mitzvot, which is the Mishnayot. Okay, the sections of the Mishnah. Wow. Okay, I lost my spot. Hang on, freaking out. And got him. Okay. So if you give ear to his mitzvot, which is the Mishnah, and you keep all his statutes, which is the Halakha. All of the illness which I placed in Egypt, I will not place on you. Again, we're talking about Shemot 1526. It's a pretty good drop. It says, but if I do place it up on you, for I am the Lord who heals you. Which is, by the way, that's the verse we get um, the month of ER from. The acronym for I am the Lord your healer. Is uh, ER. Uh, that says, These are the words of Rabbi Yehoshua. So Rabbi Eliezer Hamodai says, Here, which is Shema. I might think that this is optional. Mm. Some of us do have optional hearing. It's called selective hearing. It is therefore written, which is, by the way, the gospel of grace message. The whole Sunday morning service stuff. That's called selective hearing. Mm. All right. I want the whole Torah and nothing but the Torah. Back on track. It is therefore written, you shall hear it. It is mandatory and not optional. You shall pay heed. This is the rule, which is the underpinning of the Torah. The underpinning of the Torah is that it's not optional. So you have to know when you're doing Torah, this is not, you're not doing it because it's optional. It says to the voice of the Lord, your God, we are hereby apprised that if one hears Torah from the mouth of his teacher, it is accounted to him as if he stood and paid attendance upon him who lives and endures forever and ever. Oh, listening to your teacher. So when you're listening to the Aliyah a day, the Aliyah a day takes the Yetzah, keeps the Yetzahara away. We are out of time, but not out of content. Okay, so when you're listening to that, it's accounted to us as if we stood and paid attendance upon him who lives and endures forever. Yes, we're talking about Hakadosh Baruch Hu Hashem. <sighs> Say to the law. Okay. And you do what is just in his eyes. This refers to the integrity and one's dealings with others. How do you deal with other people? Because uh, that's where doing justice is. We are hereby apprised that if one deals faithfully with others, men take pleasure in him. 
and it is accounted to him as if he fulfilled the entire Torah. Oh my gosh. The entire Torah is if you love your neighbors, you love yourself, bear one another's burdens. Where have we seen that before? Oh my goodness. I'm telling you, man, Shaul was probably one of the most rabbinic writers that we've ever, ever read letters of. Listen to this. This is Galatians. This is the letter to Galatia. Chapter 5, verse 14. The entire law is fulfilled in a single decree. The entire law, the entire Torah, yep, right? Remember the whole name of Hashem and all that? The, every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, doing justice in the eyes of Hashem. We just read that, right? Again, we're reading from Mekil today, Rabbi Ishmael, and now we're going to connect to what Shaul says. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Parsha Kedoshim, basically. The entire Torah is found in Kedoshim. Shaul says that. Rabbi Ishmael says that. Rashi says that. Devarim Rabbah says that. I mean, Zohar says that. I mean, there, this is just a few that I was able to find with a limited amount of time. So obviously, we could do this all day. But it says, but if you keep on biting and devouring one another, watch out or you'll be consumed by one another. So I say, walk by the Ruach, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. And remember what we talked about in, in yesterday's podcast, boldly into the Holy of Holies, about that walking by the Spirit stuff. Well, again, doing right what's in Hashem's eyes is all about the justice that we're doing to one another. And that's exactly what Shaul is letting the people of Galatia know that, hey, the entire Torah is found in love your neighbors, you love yourself. So if you're not treating each other with justice, you're not even doing what's right in Hashem's eyes, which means you're not even doing the Torah. How are you treating other people? And again, Yaakov 1, uh, 26 says that if your language is terrible, then uh, your religion's terrible. Because the way you talk to people is telling whether you have a connection with Hashem or not. So yeah, that's that's one twenty-six. Yaakov James one twenty-six. With Galatians chapter five, what verse was that again? Fourteen through sixteen is what we read. Man, this is so good. I'm gonna keep reading it. For the flesh craves what is contrary to the spirit. So your flesh wants everything not in the Torah. Your flesh wants forbidden relations. It wants to eat whatever it wants. It doesn't want to keep the Shabbat. This is all flesh stuff. Your flesh doesn't want to be circumcised because it loves its skin. So if you really think about that, who's really walking by the Spirit and being led by the Spirit? Probably the people who are doing things in Kedoshim and other parts of the Torah, which are Kedoshim. Then it says they are opposed to each other. The spirit and the flesh are opposed. It says so that you do not do what you want. Because remember, we're trying to do what's right in the eyes of Hashem. Or we are. We are doing what's right in the eyes of Hashem. This refers to our integrity and dealings with others. Man, this is so amazing how this all syncs up. It says, but if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, that's interesting. 
So if you're led by the spirit, which is the law, then you're not under it. But yet we talk about the underpinning of the Torah is that you shall hear it. It's not optional. And over here, we're saying, well, if you do it, then you're not under it. You don't see it as like, I have to do this. It says, because let's, let's get a little bit more context before we just run off with that verse, right? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, discord, jealousy, and rage, rivalries, divisions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you, if you're led by the spirit and you're not under the law, but you do any of these things. You're not a part of the kingdom, which the kingdom of God is the Torah. It is the law. And then the verse before saying, but you're led by the spirit and not under the law talks about the flesh being against the spirit. So if you say you're not under the law, but you do the works of the flesh, you're also grossly misinterpreting the text for another reason. But then if you follow the law and you're not, you're considering yourself not under the law, then it's like, what are we talking about? Because we're talking about the fact that we're focused on doing what's right in Hashem's eyes. We're not focused on what's right on doing in our eyes. Because to us, from a fleshly standpoint, we consider ourselves under the law. But in Hashem's eyes, we're considering ourselves as walking in the spirit. Which is the whole point. Is that... Torah really isn't optional, but we are given an option because the Shem says here, I said before you life and death, choose life. So it's like, here's your options. Choose life. And then for those of us who do choose life, it's like, well, I thought, I thought we had an option. It's like, well, yeah, you do, but you really don't. Cause it's like, you know, you're led by the spirit. So it's it's not optional to you because if you're led by the spirit, you're following the spirit. You chose to do this. So is it really optional? Is it not? The answer is yes. Because, I mean, you have to think about it. Hashem said, put the blood on your doorposts and eat the Pesach lamb and I'm going to pass over you. That doesn't sound optional. <laughs> he didn't say well, would you mind putting blood on your doorposts and would you like to put blood on your doorposts so I, uh, so I can pass over you? Like, no, he didn't say that. He said, put blood on your doorposts. Go get your lamb. Go do that. And I will pass over you. Now, if you didn't do that, he did not pass over you. And therefore, you never left Egypt. You went somewhere else. Uh, and then you get to the mountain and then Hashem was like, do you accept my Torah? And we said, nah, save it, Nishma. So let me ask you, is that really optional? Is that being led by the Spirit or under the law? Because not when we say nah, save it, Nishma, after we put blood on our doorposts 50 days ago, like, what? You know, or 50 plus days, because, you know, you start the Omer count on the second day of Pesach. So... 
50, 51 days. Wow, 51 days. Get you some. 50 plus 1. How about that? There's 50 gates of wisdom. And once you get beyond that, it's just, it's infinite. And so, yeah, we didn't get to count 50 day, 51 days. We only got to count 49. And Hashem was like, I'm happy with the 50th. But really, you need to know there's more than that. So anyway, just to point that out. But yeah, so when you said not saving Ishmael at the mountain, you were already following the spirit. So, I mean, I'm just saying who's led by the spirit and not under the law. Uh, people who left Egypt and received the Torah. So therefore, if you receive the Torah, you know, you're not under the law because you're led by the spirit. And you know that it's not optional. So. And then, you know, that you're going to do works of the flesh because you're operating by the spirit which the flesh is opposed to the spirit and the spirit keeps you from doing what the flesh wants you to do which is not doing what the torah is which is saying that yeah i don't want to be under the law you see how that can be so confusing but anyway if you just come back to sources though if you come back to the torah portions though if you come back to living a jewish life though you'll see how this all fits together. Okay, I'm way over an hour again. Did it again. All right, so here we go. I'm going to try not to get crazy because I've been crazy. I was crazy at the beginning, so but it's getting serious. All right, underpinning of the Torah, you know, paying heed to the voice of Hashem, to the voice of the Lord your God, hereby, okay, hereby, I keep rereading the same thing, so I apologize. But yeah, we are hereby apprised that if one hears Torah from the mouth of his teacher, it is accounted to him as if he had stood and paid heed and attendance upon him who lives forever and ever. If you do what is just in his eyes, this refers to integrity and one's dealing with others. We are hereby apprised that if one deals faithfully with others, man take pleasure in him, and it is accounted to him as if he filled the entire Torah. And if or and you give ear to his mitzvot, this is the laws, which is the halakot. And it says, and you keep all his statutes, those pertaining to illicit relations. Those are the statutes. All of the illness which I placed in Egypt, I will not place up on you. And what is the intent of, for I am the Lord who heals you. The Holy One, blessed be he, said to Moshe, Tell Israel that the words of the Torah, which I gave to you, are healing for you, are life for you. As it is written, Mishle 4.22, For they are a life to him who finds them. You ever wonder why Yeshua says, Seek me and find me? Because, yeah. We have to find, we have to go out and get it. I have to go dive into these Torah portions. All right. I have to remind myself never to use this note app again. It keeps popping up stuff on my um, keyboard. But anyway, it's all good. It says, it is healing to your navel and marrow to your bones. Rabbi Yitzhak says, if they have no illness, why do they need healing? Oh, Rabbi Yitzhak, come on. You you just I don't even know who you are, but you're you're on you're on my team now. I like this. Not that you weren't before. I mean I'm the one who really needed to be on your team. But anyway, 
I love this question. This is a great question. If they have no illness, why do they need healing? <laughs> but the intent is all of the illness which I placed upon Egypt, I would not place upon you in this world. And if I do place it upon you, it is if I have not placed it upon you. And if I do place upon you, it is as if I have not placed it upon you. Wow. For I, the Lord, for I am the Lord who heals you in the world to come. So though you're afflicted and pained in this world, in the world to come, you won't be. So it'll be like, really, I didn't afflict you. Because, I mean, the Alam Abba, I mean, that's what we're living for. I mean, that's, that's what, I mean, if you got to listen to the Chesed class for this week, from Zaik and Yosef, a.k.a. Hadavar Shlita, uh, he went into this uh, source about this world is the vestibule for the Alam Haba. It's like the prep day to the eternal Shabbat. That's this world. Could you imagine a prep day being however long your life is? And then it's like, all right, it's time for Shabbat now. It's like, man, this is the longest prep day ever. Okay, anyway, it feels like that sometimes. But... We're praying for the redemption. Shabbat can start early, so that's cool. All right, so it says, so that's in the world to come. Rabbi Shimon ben Azai says, If it is already written, heed, why is it also written, you shall heed? I might think that if one wishes to heed, he is caused to heed later. To forget, he is caused to forget later. It is therefore written, heed, you shall heed, forget, you shall forget. How so? If he wishes to heed, he is caused to heed at once. If he wishes to forget, he is caused to forget at once. He was wont to say, if a man wishes to heed of his volition, volition, he is caused to heed even against his volition. So listen, do you want to do what Hashem says, then guess what? Even against your own volition, you will be caused to heed. To forget of his volition, he is caused to forget even against his volition. So it's like, man, I don't want to forget this. Well, you wanted to forget it, so you did. Permission to exercise one's free will is given. Mishle 3, verse 34. If men would be scoffers, he will enable them to scoff. And to men who would be humble, he will grant them the grace to be so. Others say homiletically on Shemot twenty two twenty five, If chavol takbol, which means if you cause one injury, you shall suffer many injuries. So what do we want to do? And what we want to do, we will be helped to do. And what we don't want to do, we will also be helped to not do what we don't want to do. Which is so beautiful to go back to the, the letter of Rome, the letter to the Romans in chapter seven, going into verse eight. He says, who will set me free from this body of death, this body of 
why do I do what I don't want to do and the things I want to do I don't do? Says, well, if you get Mashiach, he'll help you do what you want to do. And he'll also help you not do what you don't want to do. Which is, you shall uh, heed and you shall heed. Yeah, if you pay heed, you shall heed. And none of the diseases I place on Egypt will I place on you because I am Hashem, your healer. So Hashem will heal us. And that's why it's so amazing that this corresponds to the month of Iyar and this Parsha Kedoshim because Hashem is giving us the opportunity to be healed. Because when we get to Shavuot, we will be able to see, we will be able to hear, we'll be able to walk, we'll be able to talk. Bezrat Hashem, because it says the reason that we could see and we can hear at Mount Sinai was because all the sick were healed, all the dead were raised, all the deaf were given hearing, the blind were given their sight, the mute were made to speak. That all happened at when we got to the mountain. So through the month of ER, Hashem was actually bringing healing to all his people. So as we're counting the Omer, we're also interacting with Hashem healing us. Like Hashem brought healing to the whole entire nation. Like Mashiach Yeshua brought healing to so many people uh, doing his stay here on earth. So may we all experience this healing. And may we all pay heed to the word of Hashem. And may Hashem help us to not forget his commandments. And today, may we hear his voice. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Please send Mashiach now.